Well, we've had a wonderful introduction to Fally and Lily sharing with us today. Um, it really is a treat to have the Rapahungis here. They have an exciting ministry that the Lord has been preparing them for in Madagascar. Um, and I just want to highlight, you know, hearing from the Solanos last week, from Alberto and Kathy, and then from Fally and Lily this morning, it's such a beautiful picture, again, of what we're studying in um, Acts right now, and just seeing how the church was developing in different places and the missionaries being sent out. But realize that in Mexico City, there's been training going on there, pastors being trained, pastors going back to their churches, teaching their churches and growing their flocks, evangelizing the lost conferences going on. So a person like Alberto realizes different things about ministry and that he's called to be a pastor. People realizing their calling and then coming to get training to go back now as a national to be growing the church there in Mexico City. And the same with Fally here. Tim Cantrell, through his ministry in South Africa, um, and just growing the church there and being faithful to be um, shepherding the flock there, had a great influence on Fally and Lily and to see how, again, the Lord uses his missionaries, the Lord uses the church across the world to continue to grow the church. And so it's such an exciting story. It's so exciting to hear and to have them here with us. They are wonderful servants. That's probably something he won't tell you, but he's going to tell you a lot of interesting stuff. But I could tell you some fun things because Fally and Lily are two of the biggest servants that I've ever met. They have huge hearts for the Lord, and they are just godly, godly individuals. So you'll love hearing from them today. So let me pray for our time, and then we'll hear from them. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we come to you with gratitude, Lord. We are so grateful for the work that you are doing around the world, Father. We understand this is your church. This is your kingdom that you are building. And, Father, you give us the privilege of being a part of that in so many ways through um, praying and supporting and through even doing the actual work of the body, Lord. And, Father, we thank you for that. We do pray that you would continue to bless your church. Bless us this morning as we hear from Fally now and from Lily. We thank you so much for their lives, for what you've done in them, Lord. And we pray that you would bless and honor our fellowship in your son's name. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. It's an absolute joy to be here, and uh, thank you so much, Dolores, and uh, also Alex, for this kind introduction. Um, for uh, those of you who are not familiar with the uh, Hollywood movie from which the, the sentence that you see back there comes from, it comes from a cartoon that uh, is one of my endeavors today to uh, kind of point to you that it, the, that, that movie is a little bit inaccurate. And so in, in terms of its content, but I, we thought that it would be a good way to connect with what maybe some of you would be familiar with. We come indeed from uh, Madagascar, which is an island from the in, in the southeast of Africa. And um, we came here as a family. And so it's uh, myself, Fali, and my wife, Lily, and we have five kids. We've been married for almost uh, 13 years now. And um, before I uh, continue and share with you a little bit of, you know, my, my, my own journey with the Lord, I, um, I wanted you to hear from, you know, the best part of this duo, my wife. And so I wanted her to come up and share a little bit with you about her own testimony. And, and then uh, if she gives me a few minutes, I'll continue. <laughs> um, good afternoon, ladies. My name is Lily Ravwangi, and I'm Fali's wife. And um, I grew up in a Christian church um, and a Christian uh, family. Actually, my parents, when they get they got married, they were not Christian yet, but um, when I was three years old, then my dad was, um, it was, um, my, 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 one, how to say that, 
my dad got saved um, when they got me three, three years later because um, his best friend and cousin just received the Lord and become a pastor. And my uncle was so devoted that his ministry will be his own family because all of us are were lost. So <clears throat> my uncle came and preached the gospel first to my dad. And when my dad seen that and the Holy Spirit working in his heart as well, he got convinced by the you know, by the Holy Spirit and how he was really far from the Lord and never, I mean, he has never heard the, someone preaching in the gospel before. And so that was all a new thing, like, oh, so Jesus existed, God exists. Well, God exists, but not in the fact that through Jesus Christ we could be saved and that he paid for our sin on the cross. So my God, <coughs> my, my dad um, got saved and there was a tremendous change in his life. He used to be a musician, a guitarist, and then he's drinking and smoking and everything. But then um, my mom seen that change and then he as well preached to my mom and then my mom got saved. So I was growing up seeing that example of my parents, that change of life and how they loved the Lord and grew in a church that... um, he became a deacon. So um, I, I, I used to listen to the gospel all the time as my parents preached to me as well all the time. And even at church, you hear the gospel. But only in my teenage years, when I was 15, that the Holy Spirit worked in my life. And I got, I mean, I realized like, yes, I know I know God, I know Jesus, but why I still continue on sinning and how I still continue on lying and and being so mean to my siblings. <laughs> and, and I go to church every Sunday with my parents, but it didn't bring any change to me. So I talked to my dad, and he said, that's the Holy Spirit that makes you grieve about your sins. So go pray and ask God for repentance and accept the Lord Jesus in your heart. And since then, my life completely changed because the desire in me to get to know God more grew more and more. And um, I got baptized right away. So in our church, I was the youngest who got baptized because in our in our Baptist, in our biblical Baptist church in Madagascar, only when you are big enough that you can get baptized. So like your 30s and 40s. And I was 15 at that time. And I said, I want to got baptized because I know that I'm saved. And, and I just want to grow more in the knowledge of God. So the pastor asked me lots of questions if I was really saved now. And when he heard about my testimony, then um, I was, I went and to baptize, I went and wanted to be baptized. And after that, I attended every Bible study in the church. And I was still the only young girl attending all those young ladies, um, attending those Bible study. And I was like, everybody are in this 40s and I'm the only one still in my teens. And, but the Lord grew more and more in my heart, that desire. And one day I came to my pastor and said, Pastor, I want to be a missionary. And he said, you can't be a missionary. You're a woman. Go get married with a pastor or anything, but you cannot be a missionary. So I said, but I love the Lord. I just want to proclaim his word everywhere. And said, but, you know, you cannot be a missionary. You're a lady. So, okay, I forgot about that. And suddenly God fulfilled my dream. We're about to be a missionary now. 
<laughs> and when I married Fali, we never knew about this plan f- um, of God for us. But so praise be to the Lord, I had that dream in my heart. <laughs> he just fulfilled it. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. There you go. I cannot top that. Um, so yeah, I was also saved at age 15, grew up in a Christian home and heard the gospel growing up and did the whole thing of going to church every, every Sunday, Saturday, you know, learning all of the Bible verses and thinking that I was, you know, the, a, a good kid. And at age 15, I took my, one of my best friends at the time at a Christian camp wanting to save him because he was the bad guy. I was the good guy. And when we got to that camp, actually, the, 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 the man that was leading that camp preached the gospel faithfully. And I realized that I had not taken Jesus Christ as my own personal savior. And, and it completely changed from then. And from then, there was just an appetite to learn God's word and to share it that would just continue to grow. And, but at the same time as well, I, um, I embarked on a career as, um, studying, uh, sorry, studying in the, as a merchant marine to become a um, seagoing officer uh, in France. And you, re- uh, you could imagine how, you know, what a secular world that was. So that was really tough for my faith for a few years. But then afterwards, uh, God also still preserved us through that. And um, I, when I met Lily, uh, sailing become, became suddenly less interesting. And so we stopped sailing and pr- God provided a jo- job ashore, a job which took us to South Africa um, struggled to find a church for a, a couple of weeks and then really just like, you know, let's try one more. And when we tried that one more, five minutes into the sermon, we knew it was home. It was yeah, Tim Contrell, a GMI missionary that was preaching. And for the next four years and a half, between 2007 and 2011, he would became, he would become uh, my mentor, my Paul, grew tremendously under him. I'm infinitely indebted to him on how he poured himself into 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 my life and how he believes into training men. You know that, and so he identified the gift and uh, for, that I might have for for teaching. And uh, the Lord just confirmed that into my heart coming to a conference here in 2010, alongside with him. Um, when a pastor preached about what should be the purpose, the passion, and the pleasure of your life. And if that is the gospel, then you ought to be a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like what I want to do, Lord. And uh, it, it, it was just that, that big conviction that that's where the Lord want, wanted me to go. And when I went home, that's the only thing I could talk to my wife about. And so we thought we would go straight from uh, South Africa to here. But God had other plans, and the job I had at the time was working for an oil company, sent me back home. So we went back to Madagascar. But how important was that? God knows best. As, uh, as we will show you uh, later, having been exposed to expository preaching in a sound church in South Africa, when we came back to Madagascar, we saw the church in Madagascar with completely different eyes. We were looking at our Bible and what the man was saying and didn't see any correspondence. And we're like, what's wrong here? There's something wrong here. But anyway, before I get to that, let me familiarize you a little bit with what Madagascar looks like. It's not a tiny island. It's bigger than what a lot of people make it. If you took Madagascar and took it in the east coast of the United States, it would cover quite a lot of states, actually. 
And if you put California on it, actually, it's a, California would be 85% of the size of Madagascar. So it is a big, big, big island. It's known for its natural beauty. It is an absolutely beautiful island. We have miles and miles and miles of that. That is actually a, a place where I spent a lot of time in my childhood. So a bit different than LA traffic. And, but, but contrary as well to the movie, it's not just a big jungle and just beaches as well. It is a, it has big cities. This is the capital city, Antananarivo. And, um, as you could see there, it is, it has one of those characteristics of those urban cities where it's very concentrated population, people on top of one another, very busy, three million souls in that city. And, uh, we have almost four, five, six cities like that around Madagascar and the rest is just quite still open and uh, it's just villages, isolated villages from which it's estimated that around 5,000 villages, maybe 40% of the population has never heard the name of Christ. There would be villages where you go to and you ask them, you know, do you know Jesus? They said, he doesn't live here, try the next village. You know, and so they haven't heard the name of Christ yet. But, but yeah, so quite different from the from the cartoon, there's a lot of people in Madagascar, as I said, 24 million, and that is really the richness of Madagascar. We have both an inherit, inheritance from an Asian culture, the original population of Madagascar come from Malaysia, Indonesia, some from um, Arabic countries, some from Africa, Portuguese, uh, French, and British. So when, actually, yeah, when sometimes, you know, we, uh, we are asked our ethnicity, we say human because we don't really know. <laughs> what exactly, you know, it is. So 24 million people, though, with 60% of the population which is under 24 years old. So it's quite a young population because of the health condition. People die young. Though it is the sixth poorest country in the world, though it is absolutely resource-blessed, there's a lot of things in Madagascar, but because of the corruption and uh, and some um, and, and all sorts of different things, the um, economy is not what it should be. And almost 90% actually of the population lives with 92%. I think was the last stat live with less than two dollars per day, and 70% with less than one dollar a day. And so it is quite a poor country. But what is even more sad is that it is really spiritually poor. Because of all of those influences, animism is quite big in Madagascar and would be considered the um, majority uh, religion where people practice ancestor worship. So the dead people in your family become the intercessors between God and you. And the ancestors form full part of the life of the family. What you could see there uh, behind on that picture is something that would happen almost every year in a Malagasy family where every five, seven, or nine years, they would dig out the bones of their ancestors and they, it would be an occasion for a big party as they come back within the family. And what they would do is that they would um, change their wrappings and they would lie them down on the other side. So for instance, if they were all that time for five years, let's say lying on their left side, they would wrap them again. And then when they put them back in the tomb, lay, lie them on their right side. Because, you know, if you stay on one side more than five years, you might really fall asleep, you know. So you have to, you have to be turned the other side so that you could continue to intercede for your family. Um, 
for your family here on earth. Well, you know, it, it makes a chuckle, but it's so sad. People are so wrapped into this belief. And I'm not talking about people out there. Those are people that are with you at church every Sunday. They would believe in God, but God is a sovereign God and now he's distant. So you need all of those dead people in your family to intercede for you and put in a good word for you. So you're going to get married. You're going to get a new house. You, you need to, a blessing for the crops for this year. You're going to embark on a new project. You ask for the ancestor's blessing. You're, make, you're doing a party, and even if there's alcohol involved, you will pour out a, 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 a bit of alcohol on the floor for the ancestors because they are here. They're in our midst. There's that big culture of death. You know, of that intersection between the, 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 the realm of the dead and the realm of the living. We want to go back and proclaim this message. There is only one intercessor between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. That's the only message that they need to hear. And that is the only intercessor we need, right? We don't need any other person. We don't need any other thing. And what we endeavor to do when we go back and as we saw and developed a burden for our country after our time in South Africa, and we were already involved in the local church, thinking being back to Madagascar and with the difference of economy, we thought that we would never be able to go anywhere. So we poured ourselves into the local church in, in Madagascar and, and, and we invested in, in the people there and we realized that there's three things that need to happen, and that's really what we want to continue to be doing. It's to strengthen the existing churches where some of the pastors uh, have a zeal for the Lord, but they don't have doctrine. They were not taught. What would happen often is that they, they, they would go, and because they have that zeal for the gospel, they would go into an area, they would start to preach the gospel, and then uh, later a, a, a home cell will, would be formed, and then that home cell would dev develop into a church, and because he's the man that brought the gospel in, bang, he's the pastor. He has really no clue what he's doing, but he's the pastor. You know, I remember taking a... Uh, 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 one of the elders from that church in South Africa into Madagascar, and he saw that church that was hit by a hurricane, and we observed the holes into into that house. And he asked me that question that is on my heart since, what about the holes in the pastor's theology? It is a lot more concerning than the holes in that building. And that is the reason why the Lord also made us pray for him to open a door for us to be able to come here. And he just, one miracle after another, enabled us to be here. The average salary in Madagascar for someone that is a maid or a simple house worker is $30, $40 per month. The fact that we're here, we remind our kids that the fact that we wake up in America is a testimony of God's goodness in our life. We're just so thankful to be here and to have been able to go through this school and to be able to, exp uh, to, to learn more. And we are hoping to go back and visit the churches down the road. As you could see, literally down the road. Um, road networks in Madagascar, we don't really have an I-5 nor a 405 nor these kind of things. You could number that road the number you want because in some cases you make up your own road. You know, um, as you could see there in that pothole, you could hide a car if you wanted to. But at the end of that road, there's these kind of flock just waiting to hear the gospel. 
we were able to go into that area that was in 2012, I think, and we helped them with giving them a, a new church building. Um, literally, it's their church because each of those bricks that you could see that made those church was made by one of the church members with their own hands, and they all contributed to make their own church. And they got so hungry for God's word. And as you could see how many there are, I think on that day we were something like 400. And it's not only the, the, the people in those villages, but all of those pastors that I told you about that have that zeal for the Lord, but that did not receive training. This is how they welcome training. We organized for Tim Contrell and other men, Des Venter and other graduates to come during our time in Madagascar, 2012, 13, 14. We arranged for them to come yearly to Madagascar and conduct pastoral training because we saw the need for it. And this is what they would do. They would gather in a room like that, sitting in benches that are a foot wide from 8 in the morning to 7 in the evening. And at 7 in the evening, they would ask for Q&A. You know, Tim was exhausted, but um, he, he just saw the, you know, the, the zeal that they have for God. And these are the men and leaders that we want to go back and train. These are the people in which we want to pour the rest of our life into, if God would permit. Because we know that that is the way that then the church would be strengthened in Madagascar and would multiply. For the moment, there's around 120 churches within our own denomination um, called the Biblical Baptist of Madagascar. But out of those 120, maybe 60, 70% of them did not receive any formal training. This is alarming. What are they feeding their flock every Sunday? And so what we intend to do is that we would try to be involved at... Um, a few levels, God permitting, we would like to start with something similar to what you have here at Grace Community Church, the Logos Institute. We would li like to start with a lay level training where as well we might identify the leaders of the future, those that in the future would be the ones that would be sent as well and implement churches in different parts of Madagascar. And then we would like also to be involved into going into those different regions um, and do modular training in the countryside of Madagascar. As you could see, accessibility is a problem in Madagascar. So it's difficult to ask them to come to you. You have to go to them. And as well, by the way, all of those pastors have to work the field, have to have a day job. What a pastor uh, just 80 miles from the capital city, what he would get from his congregation um, is $2.5 per month. He cannot leave with that. So he has to have a day job. He, he wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning, works until 4 p.m., and then with one candle that, he, candle that he's able, uh, uh, able to afford, he would prepare his sermon, he would do his visitations, whatever he has to do in that evening until it's dark. And he prepares until that candle dies out because then he doesn't have enough money to buy another candle for that day, and that's his sermon prep. And those are real-life conditions there. But you want to give them the right tools to be, uh, you know, able to properly uh, divide God's word and to bring it to the people who desperately need it. Um, and we want eventually in the future, we are praying to be able to open a seminary that we want to uh, call preacher, pastor, slave, or the three words in Malagasy uh, for, for, for those terms. Because in Madagascar, even though it's not a well-paid job, being a pastor is a social status. And so, you know, it, you have the town doctor and you have the town pastor. One takes care of the physical problems, the other one takes care of the rest, supposedly. 
And um, but we want to remind those men that they are Christ's slave, they are Christ's bound servant, and they are there not for themselves but to glorify the King of Kings. And so that's why we, we're choosing that name for the seminary. We don't know how long in the future that is, but that is the ambition, and to be able to continue partner in the future with something like the Masters Academy International um, and be part of that network and continue the work that has been done uh, around the world by that organization. How, how you could pray for us? Well, pray for the people of Madagascar. Pray for them because they are the one in, desperately, in desperate need of a savior. They think that they know God. Every Malagasy person believes in God. But because of this syncretism, this, this ancestor worship that comes with them, they don't really know God. And at the moment, you could pray particularly for rain. Um, there's been three years of drought. Even if you Google that drought in Madagascar, you'd see some articles. In the south, we have 1.5 million people facing a humanitarian crisis. But more important, as we saw, is the spiritual poverty. Be praying for them. And pray for our future ministry partners with whom we're very excited about. One of them is uh, the Nelson family, Scott and CJ and their three children who um, are already uh, part of um, GMI as well and are planning to join us, Lord willing, May in May 2018. And Dave and Ashley who are here uh, today as well who are also um, envisaging to do that, to move it, move it to Madagascar. Uh, to do that move, and uh, we are, if you pray specifically for a teaching trip that we would do in August where, you know, they're going to start to see what it looks like to minister into Madagascar, we're going to make them go into the mud a little bit, but um, not too much so that we won't make them run away, and um, and so we're very excited about them, we love them to bits, and just so excited as to what the Lord is doing building this team up, and I couldn't have prayed for better partners, you know. Um, and so we're just very, very excited about that. Um, pray that we would be not only, you know, faithful in preparing the future, but faithful with the present. It's so, it's so difficult when you get excited about something <laughs> to focus on finishing classes, at least, you know, for now. And, um, and yeah, I, Lord willing, I would graduate with my uh, MDiv. Um, in May, that's if I survive. And, um, and Lily is also in the process of doing her ACBC certification. She's into her counsel, doing her counseling hours. So if any of you ladies want counseling, um, you could talk to her afterwards. And so we're trying to do both, both, you know, taking care of the present and being faithful in planning out for the future. And of course, continue to pray as we try to, uh, raise support in order to be able to do to do that, to do that work. So, we're ready. The seven of us are ready. We're ready to go. Um, and yeah, we, 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 we really appreciate and value your prayers. And if the Lord enables you or makes it possible for you to, to, to support and partner with us in this endeavor, um, we would really welcome that as well. And if you have any questions, you have on your tables, um, our prayer cards. And at the back of those prayer cards, you have our contact details. And so please feel free to, to, to contact us should you need to. Um, if you have any questions actually right now, you can ask them right now. I'm not going to run away. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, by the way. So um, I had one there and, and then Dolores. <laughs> they actually, um, they're very brave because they might have to learn too. Uh, the language of heart in Madagascar is called Malagasy. 
and it's a mix, same thing of Malaysian, Indonesian, Arabic, and a few words that we didn't have come from French, but it's a unique, it's a unique language, but it's a very easy language, very easy language. Um, to, grammar is very simple. Giving you an example, for instance, if you say to eat is mihinana, it starts with an M. If you want to put it in the past tense, you just replace the first letter with an N, nihinana, and in the future, you replace the first letter with an H, hiinana. And there you go. It's that easy. <laughs> that easy. No need for hard, you know, conjugation. It's very, very, very easy. And uh, the other language, of course, we were colonized by France. And because of that, the people, especially those who are educated, the language of business and the language of education is French. So in the future, if we end up having that... Um, you know, that seminary that we want to do, we would love to have it in French. One of the reasons, two of the other reasons why we would love to have it in French is that, one, there's a lot more resources available in French than in Malagasy. And if we train in Malagasy, we might spend the first 30 years translating first. And so let's use French. And the second is that we still have a heart, if God would open that door, to reach the French-speaking countries in Africa. There's nothing in Africa. There's theological seminaries, but nowhere, you know, to what we would call sound um, seminaries around Africa in the French-speaking world. Thank you. Good question. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, very good questions, both of them. I want to give you a, a quick version. Yes, when in one of those trips that Tim did to Madagascar, he told me, you know, are you still thinking about seminary? I'm saying, yes, in the same way I'm thinking about going to the moon. I'd love to, but it's not going to happen. And he says, you know, no, start praying. And so we started praying. And as we started praying, the Lord just started to do amazing things. First of all, um, I got admitted into the seminary, which is amazing. And, <laughs> I, um, and, and, the, and with that admission to the seminary, the, the, the seminary seeing my, 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 you know, the, the profile and what the Lord is potentially doing in Madagascar granted us a full scholarship for, for all our studies here. So all we needed to worry about was our living expenses, which is a lot, again, compared with, with five kids. We do need to feed them sometimes. And so we, it, it would be a lot of money. Then next thing God does is that suddenly my boss gives me a 25% raise like that. And like, okay. And he says, you know, but I don't want to give you the money here in Madagascar. Is that okay if I open an account in dollars for you? Would that be acceptable? <laughs> now, let me think. Yes. <laughs> and it's just amazing. And then it continued like that. Family started to pitch in and so on. And we were supposed to come here in the fall of 2014. But in July of 2014, I had to call the seminary and said, I'm sorry, we don't have enough money. We are short of quite a lot, and I could share that with you. We were short at that time of um, $25,000. And because uh, the process for visa for an international is that you have to show the money first, and then we could talk visa, show the money first. And the money that we had to show was a lot, and so we were $23,000 short. And so Kristen Dixon asked me, will you be here in January? I said, 
Sure. And then I told Lily that, and she said, "Why did you say that? Are you crazy? Where are we gonna find that money?" I said, "I don't know. I just said that to the lady." And um, <laughs> and so we continued working and praying, and and then uh, with the job that I had, I had a good job for Madagascar standards. But in order for me to be able to come here in January, I had to resign by Christmas 2014. And in order for me to resign on Christmas 2014, I had to end out my resignation by August because I had to give four months notice to my company. If I didn't give them four months notice, I would have to pay four months salary of money I didn't have. So, and so, um, it it was a, before the 25th of August. My my wife and I prayed a lot, and uh, come the 25th morning, we were still twenty three thousand dollars short from 25 to 23. And so it was: Are we going to resign and be without a job and not going to seminary potentially, or are we not gonna you know trust the Lord and just carry on with with with, with work, which was my mom's favorite option. She wanted her grandkids next to her uh, which I can fully understand and so um, and so we decided to resign anyway and so I called my boss and told him I wanted to resign nothing to do with the company but I wanted to pursue something personally he calls me back in the afternoon and he says so I heard you're resigning to become a priest I told him no not a priest and I have to give you, uh, it's a very secular, it was in, an, in the oil industry, very secular world. The, my boss had Hinduistic beliefs and was is ma- married to a Muslim woman. So, um, And so I tell him what I'm going to do. And he says, well, are you going to leave all of this? Because I had managerial you know, position in Madagascar. And I says, yes, because Christ is worth more. And he told me um, he doesn't have that kind of faith. And there was a silence on the phone. And he says, I know how it works. My daughter wants to study in the United States. And if you want to go there, you have to show the money first. Do you have the money? He says, nope. He's like, and you're resigning? Are you crazy? Like, a lot of people are telling me that those days. But I'm not. And And so... And so another big silence on the phone. And then he asked me, how long are you short? How much are you short of? And I tell him, 20, I hesitated. I thought it was a personal question, but told him $23,000. Another silence on the phone. And then he tells me, write up your letter. The company will pay for it. And the company gave me a resigning gift of $23,000 unheard of. Never. It's... It's unthinkable, but God. And when God wants to do something, He could do that kind of things. And we have experienced that as a family. And we're just, as I said, so grateful to be here every morning. Every morning, we're just so thankful to the Lord that we, since January, it's been a two years and a half fast and furious journey, just trying to keep sanity. And but but it's been wonderful. We've met amazing people here and we've just been blessed in all the ministries that we've been involved with uh, our fellowship group this church the anyway everything we're just so thankful maybe a longer answer than what you wanted but that's me <laughs> oh yes i almost forgot that um yeah any 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 amount that you could give would would be really you know it's a 
um, you know, it will all come together and, you know, it will all be welcomed. Whatever, you know, the Lord puts into your heart and enables you to, to give would go a long way. You, you know the difference of economy and, you know, we, we're ready to, to, to go with whatever, you know, um, the Lord grants us. Um, if, of course, having to provide for my family, um, we, I would be ready to, you know, go back to work if I needed to, but that's really not what I want to do. I want to serve my God full time doing this, doing this and training other men, discipling men and raising the next generation of church leaders in my country. Yes, ma'am. Oh yes, we are in close partnership. Actually, one thing is that we continue that close collaboration because one of my best friends, now he has started to have the desire to go into full-time ministry as well. And he said, oh, I know of a good place for you to go train and uh, send him to the South Africa TMAI, Christ Seminary, and he's doing an internship at Tim's church. And so he graduates in December and he will be sent back to be the senior pastor of our home church. And so we'll be kind of a tag team. Um, working together as well with that church in South Africa where we're still thinking of having them sending short-term mission trips at least annually to help us with setting up the ministry every year. Um, Tim is coming in February and just can't wait to see him. He's, he's a brother and yes, the relationship will continue and continue and continue, we hope. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm sorry. Tim is Tim Cantrell. He's a um, GMI missionary that is now pastoring in South Africa and Chuck Bible Church. And he's the one that introduced me to this whole grace realm and TMS. And so they're not the Nelsons nor the Ellinsons. Okay, we are, that's a good question. I forgot to say that. We are hoping, so we are gradu, um, graduating in May and we are hoping to go home in July, mid-July, Lord willing, and start working right away with that teaching trip in which we gonna have the Nelsons and the Ellingsons visiting. Yes, ma'am. Uh, uh, they, they don't, uh, they don't know Tim that much, but they are here. Dave is here. And, um, t- uh, the Scott is also a student currently here at the seminary in the THM program. And they want, uh, but they will get to know him. Okay. Um, Tim is in South Africa, which is three hours flight from Madagascar, but they will be, Lord willing, in Madagascar. Thank you for all the questions. It seems that my time ran, ran out, but um, please be in touch. Ask any questions that you want by email. Thank you so much for the opportunity and for your prayers. God bless. Really quick before Fally sits down, I just want to, I know we're short on time here. Both David and Fally have class at one, so we'll be really respectful of their time. But can you briefly just tell us, Fally, um, about who is waiting for you when you get back, that your father is taking a long list and just explain to us briefly what the anticipation is for your guys' return. Thank you. Yeah, very quickly. Yes, my dad has been involved in that ministry of countryside, you know, pastors for quite a while. And it seems that, you know, them knowing of us coming here and with the relationship that he has built, we have at least that we know of at least 15 different locations in Madagascar in in each of which there's potentially around 60 men to be trained that are waiting for training. So when we go, we are planning to, on that teaching trip, first thing, August, I'll just go 
kiss my grandma and then go to work with, with this man immediately. And that's the beauty of being as well, you know, a national being trained is that we hit the ground running. We'll get there and we get to work immediately in August going to there towards the east coast of Madagascar. And then in September, I'm going towards a church plant 500 miles from the capital city. The, the church plant, they want to start right. So I'm going to train the leaders from that church plant right away in September and maybe in October I'll try to rest a little bit and yeah thank you (laughs) well let's pray for this family Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for our time this morning, for how you have saved Fally and Lily, Lord, how you have given them a heart for ministry, for service, Lord, and we see so clearly how the field is ripe, Father, and we know that Madagascar is desperately needing your word, Father, and we ask that you would continue to prepare Fally and Lily for the Ellingsons, for the Nelsons, Lord, that you would just give them unity in their desire to serve you, Lord, unity of um, your spirit, God, that they would be set on your word and would be able to join together to work as one force, Lord, for your glory in Madagascar. We thank you so much for the need, for the desire that's already clearly there, Lord. We thank you for um, just raising up nationals already, Lord, that Fally and Lily are ready um, and their language and understanding the culture, Lord, and that they have even a body of believers that is welcoming them home, Lord, and waiting for them. God, we do pray that you would bless the rest of their time here, that their support would come in quickly, God. We pray that you would use even many of us, if we are able and willing, Lord, to help them to get home quickly and be able to start serving right away. God, we thank you again for the Mindset for Missions group, Lord. What an encouragement it is to our soul to hear of your work that you are doing around the world. In your son's name, amen.